Well, this is a podcast all about how my mom protects my team from plows. So I'd like to take the place that own days me, bro. Eternal is the dirtles, the sneak is the show. Shops is where we tap blackboard of lands. On the stack is where we strategize most of our plans. Underground dark red cast ad nod. Stop by force of will plus a storm you just lost. Went into game two thinking gotta go off. Couple lotus pedals hit the tabletop. I'm fighting one little counter war mind break trap. Guess you gotta go with goblins without flashback. Flipping delvers day after day, and Tom Agorth is no longer seeing play. I delved an angler, then I named you a true name, then I swung in for lethal mini progen is a shame. Chalas, yo, this is bad. Locking one cost spells on the play like that. Is this what Dex with Aldrazi looking like? Shit, this game's gonna be tight. But wait, I got K Command Edict and all that. Is this the kind of draw I need to steal this game back? They got a thought, not Cavern to Smasher. I hope I can hack it in the winning in bracket. I lost. Sack to the best card off the top of my deck, and I yelled for a judge. Judge! I looked at my board, and I saw it's not there. I didn't be bored. I'm a wizard in pairs. Hello, and welcome to Eternal Dirtles. I'm your host, Zach Clark, and with me as always, Nathan Gullia. Nate, how's it going? Pretty good. How about yourself? Uh, weird. It's a weird day. It is, it is a strange day. <laughs> you know, I had I had a list of stuff that we were going we're gonna to talk about today, a list of ideas. Here it is. Uh, Nate playing Burn unironically. This weekend, uh, did Phil's going to play this Lazav deck at Syracuse, but then just throw all that away because we have big news. Sort yeah, of. we actually had like real news happen today. Uh, so uh, they this is not an official change yet, but during what Pro Tour London, they're going to test out Mythic a, Championship London. Mythic, <laughs> Mythic Championship London. My apologies. Yeah. Uh, Mythic Championship London. They're going to play. They're going to test out a new Mulligan rule. That will allow every player, no matter how many mulligans they take, to draw seven cards, and then they put X cards back to the bottom of their deck based on the number of mulligans they've taken. X is the number of mulligans. So, practically, you draw seven, you don't like it, you shuffle, you cut, you present, they cut, you draw seven more, you like that hand, you pick one card and put it on the bottom. Don't like it, you do it again. You, know, you like that hand, you pick two cards and put it on the bottom. So you get a look seven, a fresh seven every time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so okay, before, got... <laughs> before we pass judgment on this, let's talk about the history of, uh, of the mulligan rule. What do you think? Yeah, because I actually did not realize how long ago the original mulligan or yeah. the, the first official mulligan rule was. So, yeah, the first official mulligan rule uh changed uh in april uh, probably a little bit before april of 1997 but the first constructed event was a uh, april of 1997 pro tour paris uh and this was the paris mulligan rule this is the rule that allows you to uh mulligan down one card so you can the, the one that we that one that we're used to so every any time, hand yeah because the, the original mulligan rule i should we should say which yeah. was i don't know semi-official or was official that I, was I, the I, official mulligan rule yeah the first one, the first one was like all lands or no lands, right? Yep. If you had a hand you full of once. lands, you could mulligan. If you ha- had a hand with no lands, you could mulligan. Uh, you would get a fresh seven, and you could do that infinitely. No, you can only do it once. Oh, right? you can only do it once. Okay, fair enough. This uh, process is only allowed one time per player. Okay, so then they did the Paris mulligan, which is what which was in place now 
what undisturbed for 20 years yeah yeah and i think until like what uh 2015 wow magic origins came out a lot longer ago than i thought (laughs) yeah 18 years july 17th 2015 is it's the magic origins uh yeah so that allows you to uh mulligan uh any number of times you need to you get one less card each time and then you got to scry one yes that was yeah so no matter how many times you mulligan, you got to scry one. Yeah. So now we we have this current, let's call it the London mulligan rule for now. I'm sure I'm sure it'll get its own thing. The I, London I, mulligan. What 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 was the previous thing called? Just that was the the scry mulligan Van, rule. Van, Vancouver mulligan. Vancouver it's named mulligan. after whatever pro store. Yeah, yeah. So this yeah. will be the London mulligan rule. Um, yeah, so that's, that's the, the short history of mulligans and how, and how they worked in Magic the Gathering. Um, I think as a, as a quick aside, I think that every time that this rule was touched, it was, it, it basically addresses Magic's largest problem, which is the, the, um, land problem. The like, oh no, I've got a hand with no lands. Yeah. This is Magic's giantest problem since the beginning of of magic it's always been a problem is like what happens when variants put you in a position when uh where one person does not get to play the game and every time they they've adjusted this rule it's to make it slightly more fair for the person who is disadvantaged yes it's it's trying to punish you less for not drawing lands in your opening seven while not making not not incentivizing you know bad deck construction which i think is what we're going to get into in a minute yeah um, um or or i should say not bad deck, deck construction but unhealthy deck construction yeah um okay yeah. so now we can bust into the personal opinions uh nate uh let, let's have phil go first actually because phil wrote <laughs> some stuff about this right uh let's see what did phil say so we phil has the, the night shift tonight but he, we, he did answer our text thread it's an it compels a change to the definition of stacking your deck, which I think is interesting. And that might be because if you're just allowed to put stuff on the bottom before the game technically starts, that might be a way to stack your deck. I don't know. It's an interesting take on the scry for sure, and obviously likely to reduce variance, but makes sideboard hosers way more powerful because the likelihood to find them alongside the mana to cast them increases substantially. Uh, it's a slight blow to cantrips as they function as a way to mitigate that, and a huge boon to chalice decks that really want to find soul land plus chalice with as many seven card looks as they want. If they implement this type, if ball get into eternal formats, combo gets a ridiculous upgrade. So those are those are Phil's takes. Let's start with with the definition of stacking your deck. I actually don't know what those are, so let's <laughs> Google that. So uh, what what is that? It, it when it compels a change to the definition of stacking your deck. I don't know what that means. Uh, I there's, wish Phil were here to explain that. Yeah, there's. I, I, I'm not going to waste our, our listeners' time Googling it right now, but uh, we'll see if there's a change to the comprehensive rules as a result. I mean, there's going to be a change to the comprehensive rules, yeah. and we'll see if that stacking your deck is somehow affected. Um, his next his next one I think I want to talk about, this is the biggest one, which is who gets the most help? Is it the person who has the proactive thing to do or the person who has the sideboard hoser um and i think that that's where the meat of, the meat of our discussion is going to go yeah well but before we get into uh, th- well, let, let's have phil make his points right uh then then we'll get your opinion then we'll get my opinion and then we'll kind of all go in and 
and uh, discuss it from there, I think. Well, it's all one big point. He says yeah. cyborg hosers become way more powerful because the likelihood to find them alongside the mana to cast them increases substantially. I think the 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 best way to relate to this is of course ley lines. Yep. Um you know, you can fi- you get a lot of seven card looks at ley lines. You're not going down more cards and then going down more effective cards necessarily. I mean, you're going down cards, but you get to pick from seven, right? Mm-hmm. Um but I guess there's like how many times have you drawn what's a good example of this? Like you're playing rug and you get and you and you want to pyroblast and your hand is like tropical island wasteland pyroblast. Yeah. But you really want, I don't know. I don't know if that's the <laughs> case, if that's the case that you want that on turn one. To me, maybe like Graftic Cage and no lands or something, or yeah. like Surgical, but no lands to do anything else. You have like the one Surgical you're leaning on. Yep. Um, because there is you know you, you don't want to ever throw back a seven with your sideboard card in it, but sometimes you have to because you can't, and then you lose the the look at your sideboard card. So. I don't know what more powerful means. Does that mean that certain kinds of sideboard cards, in your opinion, get more popular? I think it just makes them uh, more likely to... You're more likely to hit them. Uh, I mean, any card that is more likely to be in your opening seven uh, that's a hoser against your opponent is obviously going to be slightly more powerful, right? Like, if there's some way to guarantee that, and this is one way to guarantee they'll be there more likely, um, it does make it more powerful in that regard. At least that strategy of like mulling to your hate uh becomes, yeah. becomes slightly more more powerful obviously it's it's better it, this is a better situation because you're going to get to see those seven cards i think that what's interesting about it is how many times do you let's say you draw seven and it's not good in in your game two or game three so you go to six and the six is like a passable six without the sideboard hate and then you have to make that decision do I go to five to look for my sideboard card or to just hope they don't have it immediately and I get a couple draw steps? That's that's the real that's the real tough one, right? Mm-hmm. But if you know you're always looking at seven, are you more apt to go to six or to go to five there? Yeah, I think the answer is yes. <laughs> you're, you're definitely more apt if you're always going to see a seven card hand. You think people would would mulligan more in general with this? I do. I think uh, I think it'll get easier to mulligan. Uh, if you know that you're going to get to at least get a fair shake out of your mulligan. Uh, the main reason I don't mulligan as often as I should is because I mulligan to, to six, and then I get like a one-lander with like a bunch of green cards, but it's a, it's like a volcanic island, right? And yeah. I'm like, Ugh, I just need to draw a land, right? This is what I'm thinking in my head. I just need to draw a land. It, literally any of the eight other lands in my deck or, you know, like, 12 other lands in my deck will will get me there. Should I just keep this and hope that I get it? Or would it be smarter for me to look at five more cards and, and hope that I can get there from there? And every time my risk-reward, like, my fight-or-flight is like, no. Like, it's always safer to keep your hand. And it's not always right. Like, the, this is not correct thinking. But I am very risk-averse when, when I mulligan. I don't like to mulligan uh, just to find hate. Um, and th- I think this rule will push me towards that. Yeah, mulligan strategy is something that is not really hotly debated because I don't think anyone likes to talk about it. <laughs> but there are definitely people who are like, I never mulligan. The risk mulligan. of being wrong is too, too great, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. And that, that part of it is the variance of the six-card hand and then the five-card hand from there. Yeah. 
Um, you know, I think an interesting hand you can get is something like five lands and two non-land cards, right? Yeah. You've got literally lands and spells, but, but you know, the old, um, the adage is flood beats screw, so you don't want to be, I'm sorry, screw beats flood, so you don't want to, you know, be the other, do it the other way around. Uh, because the the person who's been mana screwed will always have gas in their hand when they start drawing lands, as a person who's flooded just has horrible lands in their hands. Yeah. Um, so five lands, two non-land cards is the kind of hand that, you know, really is is a challenging mulligan, but sometimes you have to do it, or sometimes you think you can last with just that. I don't know. Um, I think, yeah, I was I was thinking that too. I think people will be more apt to throw hands back, which I, I, it's just, I don't know. I think we have to talk about this as it relates to uh, digital magic, right? Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, it, it's, it's weird because we're talking about sideboards and, we, you know, the, the big controversy two weeks ago was that they're trying to get rid of sideboards and no one wants, no one wants sideboards anymore. You know, well, you don't have sideboards. There's no sideboard hate to mulligan to, you know? Yeah. I mean, let's, let's, if we're going to talk about digital magic, right? Let's take a, uh, a, a quick look over at Hearthstone and how their mulligan system works, right? Yes, left. I, I have no idea. So in Hearthstone, you get a uh, three or four card hand. You Technically five because you get the coin, but the coin doesn't come until after. So you get a three or four card hand, depending on whether or not you're on the play. And if you don't like any particular card in your hand, you can throw it back into your deck and you'll get another card. Now, it could be that card again, but it's very similar to this if you if you see what I'm talking about. Yeah, I guess. Three-card hand is really small. Well, I, I mean, think yeah, it's, it's a 30-card deck, too, and you're also guaranteed land. So uh, there, there are some things to think about there. But the, the basic idea is that you can mulligan selectively now in hearthstone you are not penalized at all for mulliganing you can mulligan your whole hand away and and get you know three three to three or four new cards yeah but uh and and it's a very big part of that game but i think that this will make um mulliganing more of a factor in uh in in the game as a whole but yeah if you're going to like a best of one situation this gives you the ability to main deck sideboard cards that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Is it encouraging people then to, you know, if a, if a broken deck exists in some format, but we're not doing sideboards anymore, well, just put that card in your deck yeah. that you wanted for the sideboard matchup, and then you can always hide it if you don't want it. Yeah, would I be more likely to run, like, a main deck of Braid in a Rug? I think, yeah. Main deck Surgical Extraction. I mean, all these, there are some sideboard, that's what I was saying, there are some sideboard cards that have different kinds of... Uh, you know, utility depending on the matchup, right? So, uh, well, I, think, I don't know. I think I, something that should be stated here is that this change is not being implemented yet. Like, this is just yeah. something that Ma that Wizards is testing to see if it will work or not. Um, and we are talking in the sense of of let's let's assume that this is going to happen and and prepare for it. Um, well, I think that it's weird too because like it's easy to say like, well, everyone criticizes stuff when it happens. I don't know how I feel about this yet. You know. I think that I, I want that's why I want to contextualize it a little bit because you talk about they talk a lot about like not the, how bad shuffling is and all this stuff and this is encouraging more shuffling mm -hmm. right is encouraging you know 
a lot of that stuff. But like, if they're not thinking about the paper game as seriously anymore, um, you know, that changes a lot, right? Like, I mean, that changes their opinions or changes what they think is going to happen. I mean, um, that, that could be where we're going here. Uh, the reprinting fetch lands and standard, folks. You heard it here first. Nate, Nate called it. Yeah, I called it because they don't <laughs> care because it shuffles automatically. Yeah, I don't know. Um, here's a, here's a question I've had. People keep saying, "Well, you know, this has been this will be so great. This will be so great for combo decks." That's something that Phil said. Mm-hmm. And sure, I mean, but if it, if it was always this, if this was always a good effect for combo decks, why have so few combo decks ever played Serum Powder? I agree. Like, I don't. And I understand that there's you're removing certain parts, and there are times when you. If, if you ever played against Serum Powder, when have you played against Serum Powder? In Vintage. The Dredge, right? Yeah. That's it. That's the only time I've ever played it. against That's it. That's it. That's the only time I've ever seen it played. Yeah. Um, there, but there, I'm sure there's been other times when it's been played, but just, you know, as an example. You know, there are times when they like Serum Powder, and you look at the Exile Zone, and you're like, okay, they like lost a bridge, or they lost an Icarid, or whatever mm-hmm. it is, right? And now I don't have that to worry about or something like that. Or I know that if they go for this, there's how many this is left in their deck. Um, so it's not the exact same thing. But, yeah, I mean, it, why hasn't everyone been playing that all the time? So, like, show and tell. Could show and tell not just play Serum Powder? Like, I see no reason why they, why they shouldn't. But, well, uh, but uh, I mean, sure I don't play that deck. Are, 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 yeah, show and tell players are going are gonna to flip out, but that's not the point. The point isn't, like, we think show and tell players Serum Powder. Just, like, if it's that good to get that many looks at your two-card combo, you know, then then do it. Then you should really go in on it. What do you have to lose? Like, some spell pierces that don't always defend your combo? Like, um, you know, that, that, that 12th and 13th cantrip? Like, you don't need... The, the Serum Powder is going to take care of that for you. So, um... I don't think it'll be as big a deal. I, I, I hesitate to think this will be a huge deal just because Serum Powder as an effect has existed. But I do think I do think it has an impact on I do think it will have some impact. There are certain decks like Vintage Dredge where the only where they're looking for a one card combo. I mean Bazaar of Baghdad is a one card combo and that's all you need. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, that's that's it. That's it. If you have Bazaar of Baghdad, you are doing what you want to do in dredge yeah um there isn't really a deck like that in legacy that i can think of no i don't think there are any cards that uh, there are any cards that you can play by not having any mana other like any other card to to win like i I think what we were talking about before was like show and tell reanimator all of these things need four cards yes they're not going to go down to no you one's know, gonna go down to two. They're not and, gonna do seven looks at seven yeah. or whatever. It is. No one's yeah. No one's gonna go down to two and be like, well, I have reanimate and Grizzlebrand. Let's pray for let's pray for a way to get this Grizzlebrand out of my hand and and a uh, land. It's yeah, just right. not yeah. It's not gonna make any sense. Right. So I don't think it'll 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 matter that much um, because most combo decks still require some mass. But there is some there is something to be said for like I can get it's the seven to six right. It's that sort of area where you have a combo deck and the seven's really bad and now you get to look at seven again and then pick the best six yeah i mean that that's more just like the incidental the incidental mulligans that they have anyway i'm more excited about mulliganing to five actually now because i i would go to six without hesitation um a lot of times i almost would never mulligan further than that 
Like unless I just had no lands, I'm probably not mulliganing further than further than uh than six. You have to you have to show me a hand that is objectively bad, or I have to know that my opponent is on a specific type of deck that if I don't have X card in my hand, I'm losing. Right. Yeah. So uh, this this allows me to go down to five a lot a lot with a lot more uh um confidence. Post board, it also allows them to find their anti-hate a lot easier. Mm -hmm. Like, I know I want to make sure I open up with a, a Nature's Claim in my hand or Serenity or whatever it is, Wear Tear. So, you know, I can still look for that, and then I can worry about drawing my combo later because they're going to mull against there. So there's that weird balance there. Another another thing that I've been thinking of is we talked about, or I mentioned that most of these mulligan rules have been geared towards not promoting unhealthy deck construction. And with with so many, like you talked about the lands. That's the original reason, right? Yep. Look, Phoenix, which is a deck I've been playing a lot, plays 15 lands, right? And there are still times when I draw four lands in my opening hand, yeah. right? So that means that more 15 land decks can exist because you're going to get more looks at seven. And you if your deck only has 15 lands, you probably only need one or two. Yeah. I mean, so I then think you just that I would throw the extra lands back and keep your business spells is really good because with that Phoenix, would... that's the deck where it's like you can't really mulligan for lands because there's a good chance you won't draw more than one in the next hand, in the next mulligan. Yeah, I and think... I don't think that's healthy deck construction. I, I think that the, the, it definitely is going to allow people to skimp here and there on on uh, on their lands to to you know to sort of game this rule uh, to in their advantage. I mean, I think I would probably go down to 17 lands in rug and maybe 18 lands in infect, uh, just to see what would happen. You know, like I think, I, I think I'd like a flex slot here or there in those decks. And that's, yeah, you get that's that a, flex slot, right? And that's an easy way to, to, to squeeze in another card, knowing that like my sixes are going to pretty much guarantee me a land, you know? I, I just, there's so many little interesting, funny things that you can say too, like, you know, I really want to find like <laughs> Soul Ring, Lotus Petal, and Snaring Bridge, and just want those three cards in my hand. Could you imagine? Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, that's not going to happen, but like, it's just funny that you could do that. Um, there's little games that you can play with this kind of rule, but like I said, I don't know. The other thing is like you're putting cards. You know, well, you will know where cards are, which I think maybe where um, Phil was going with the stacking the deck thing. So if you have like. You know, if you're if you're the kind of person who can who's better than me at math and can say like, okay, I'm putting these two cards on the bottom, which means I'm X percent to draw these cards and the on my draw steps or you know, you know you know what I mean? Like there's there's a little bit of that like extra information gained about the location of stuff in your deck, mm -hmm. which is a little interesting. I, they could make it you shuffle and recut, you know, but so you don't have any information because it's advantageous to put certain cards on the bottom of your deck. Let's use something like Crater Hoof Behemoth in Elves yeah. as an example of that. Totally. Hey, I, mean, I know I'm not drawing this Crater Hoof unless I fetch. So. <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's a great. That's a great. Uh, a great point is knowing like where a card is in your deck. Like especially when you draw like let's let's skip to modern real fast. I used to play uh, gifts a lot, and so many times I'd open up my my opener would would include uh, Unbearable Rights and my Fatty. Like Alice Norton on Bale Rights, and I'd be like, "Oh, this is a five. This is a five card hand. I'm never yeah. going to cast either one of these two on purpose. I'd rather them hit my graveyard from my deck than 
you know, so, so now if I mulligan and I see that again, I can be like, okay, well, one of these is going to go by the bottom of, of my deck. You know, I think there's so there's something to be said for that. I don't think it ruins anything necessarily. I just think that that's a, that's a factor to, to keep in mind, uh, you know, w with this rule change. Yeah, I, I really think um, I'm just looking at some up tweets right now. Patrick Sullivan has come out against this. Um, Lawrence Harmon, who's a legacy content creator. You know, a lot of people are really sort of worried. I, I, I really don't know. I, I'm, I'm very. I mean, my stance is for it. I'm I, I am firmly on the yes, let's have interactive games of magic happen. Uh and if there is a problem with certain decks being degenerate, you know what? There's a ban list. We'll and, you know, it's way. weird that um, uh, they said something about the ban list. Like, we're going to look at the ban list mm -hmm. now. Which Yeah, sure. Shake it up. Nuke all formats, man. <laughs> Nuke all formats. And I'm always for nuking all formats. So, um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know where else to go with this. Um, we talked about serum powder. Why it wasn't just being played anyway? We talked about knowing where cards are in your deck. Did we miss anything else? We talked about uh, hate versus anti-hate. We talked about skimping on lands, yeah. which I think are the major the major things. I'm looking at some other stuff. So, so um, I didn't do this math, but I want to I want to quote a buddy of mine who we were talking about dredge uh, a little bit in the LIC group. And yep. um, so the number, uh, just normally, if you have four of a card in your deck, you have a 46.6 repeating chance of drawing that card in your opener uh, in, in terms of, like, bizarre for dredge. Um, with this rule, um, if you wanted a turn one uh, bizarre, it's a 98.7% chance or 98.8% chance that you're going to get this after seven draws. Um, but I, I want to include the fact that generally you lose to dredge because you didn't draw your hate post-board. Um, so this gives you just as much opportunity to find your hate as it does for them to find their bazaar. Patrick Sullivan, it is surprising to me the misunderstanding people have about how much of their win rate against dredge, reanimator, chalice, slash moon, and the like is because of the fail rate those decks have baked in and how dramatically <laughs> that rate decreases in the new world. I think that's a really interesting point. I, I mean... Is. We, we, I don't Again, I'm so bad at math, which is probably this why I should get to find another hobby. Here's but the like, thing, Patrick Sullivan. Just start playing Smash the Smithereens. Main. Yeah, we'll talk about Patrick <laughs> Chalice Sullivan. Chalice on one, Smash the Smithereens at, uh, on your turn two, and then begin playing the game again. You know, like... Could you imagine if there was a, deck card, a card in Burn that put uh, artifacts into play? Smash the Smithereens is so good. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, uh, I think that was... There was something I was going to say, but I forgot now. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. Oh, pregame effects. Here it is. I hate pregame effects. You know that, right? Yeah. I hate ley lines. I hate chancellors. It's so stupid. Great. Great. Let's make those better. <laughs> I, I, I really love, I really love ley lines. It's already a real fun experience when your like opponent has their ley line. Ugh. It's, it's a real fun experience when you like, I, I got double chancellored against black red the other day. Like, you know, you just can't do anything. I've been double chancellored. I happen to have. I no, I mean, like, I'm sorry. To... Oh, I've been double chancellored. I would. I mean, chancellored in both games. Oh, okay. like, no, I've all been, right. This is pretty good. Oh, I'm like, that's okay. just as good as one yeah. chancellor. <laughs> yeah. I've also yeah, been, been can... lucky enough to like when, when during 
during like the height of, of Black Red Reanimator popping up, I still had access to Gitaxian Probe. So I was always happy if I was on the play to cast a Gitaxian Probe into it and hold up a Daze or a Spell Pierce or a Force of Will. Um, now you know you have to have two pieces of interaction against that deck if they happen to have the Chancellor. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I think those decks are fine, and if the the fail rate gets a little bit less on them, I, I don't. I don't love those decks, but like they're part of the meta. And if the deck gets to a point where it's a problem, you know what? Ban Chalice. I no just, one's gonna. No one's gonna be that not, upset. I don't, I don't know about Chalice. I mean, Chalice. They're gonna guarantee a Chalice, which I actually think might be healthy for the format for other reasons. It's it's like you you it forces people to play yeah, you're more. Start playing artifact slows down everyone else. Main deck. You know, it'll be yeah. like 96. You'll play, yeah, say, you'll play like four disenchants. Yeah, you always played four disenchants because everyone had an ivory tower. But like, yeah, I, I, I don't think it's necessarily, I, I, think, I think the combo is the issue as it's always been. It always just forces, it always just forces, um, you know, bad, bad incentives in deck building anyway. And now it's even worse. And, and ley lines and the like just have so much collateral damage. I just hate them. I just really hate them. And I, I I don't like that they that these these effects exist with the idea like oh it's okay we'll just give people this free thing to have in their opening hand if they play against a matchup they don't like like that sucks just ban the card <laughs> it doesn't feel good for anybody like you ever like having a late like finding a ley line oh look at me look how great it was I found a ley line and now you just sit there while I you know uh, try to find a way to kill you yeah. like ugh. It's just bad. I hate yeah. it. I mean, I've beat I beat Leyline at a Grand Prix before, and it feels good. But like, it's still like watching your opponent not do anything for like four turns. <laughs> you know, like well, I it's like the Leyline. Two, two Leylines. Yeah, someone and... Leyline me when I was playing that Vengevine Hollow One deck, and then on the first turn I made three Hollow Ones. <laughs> like, but you know that person was like miserable because they like mulliganed. Like now I guess that's the same thing. They're gonna mulligan, so they won't be as miserable because they didn't mulligan to like a Leyline that immediately gets. Know chain of vapor or something, yeah. So I don't know. I don't Eric know, I, Virgo, Eric Virgo agrees with you. A lot more worried about Chalice the Void and Legacy than Bizarre and Vintage in regards to the login rule. Yeah, dude. Like I, 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 I'll say it again. The reason why you lose to uh, Dredge and Vintage is because you didn't draw your hate. Yeah. Well, I think that the the thing is, I think Chalice the Void has more main deckable answers. Yeah. Already. And if you get to mulligan to, you know, you also get to mulligan to, like, your Kasali Pride Mage, which doesn't get countered and can kill it if you need. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Your Kolagons Command. Like, they, they mulligan. They, they lost a bunch of cards to go Ancient Tomb Chalice. And you just go land drop, land drop, land drop, Kolagons Command. Like, because they, they... Yeah, yeah, awesome. I mean, also think about this. Like, maybe this makes the whole meta shift. Maybe the one-drop decks aren't the the king anymore. Maybe it moves away from the, the Death Shadow-style decks and the Delver, you know, the Del Rug Delver-style decks. And we get, like, a new meta, a meta that we haven't seen since, you know, uh, Delver, Delver of Secrets card. came in, you know? Yeah, that's that's true. Delver of Secrets really ushered in this era of, of, of hyper-efficiency and legacy. Well, you might like that. I, I totally understand that. If you like if you like that style of play, um, I do. Um, but I'm I'm willing to see what happens if if they really torch the the format. Uh, look, play design has done a pretty good job over the past year and a half. Uh, I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt here uh, and see and see what they can pull off. Uh, so I'm I'm for it. 
Do you have any magic-related personals? I have a couple small miscellaneous items I would like to share with the listeners. Um, but I'll let you go first. Personal, because... personal magic stuff. Personal uh, magic items. I mean, I'm still trying to figure out what I'm going to play for uh, for Syracuse. Am I going to do uh, Infect or am I going to do Death Shadow? It's... You could do both and just put Berserk in your Death Shadow oh, deck. Oh, God. I, I, it's feels either, so good, it's but never put works. Berserk in my Death Shadow deck or put, uh, what's it called, uh, Thoughtseize in my in your Infect deck. Infect deck. <laughs> Thoughtseize in my Infect yeah. deck sounds amazing, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, just like, what, what, like, I guess Bayous. I'd play a Bayou and I'd thought, Thoughtseize, like, whatever their interaction is. Thoughtseize is just so good. It would be so good in, uh, in Infect, but it's, it's a little hard to play. Well, right now it is. I think the fact that Blighted Agent exists is the card that really forces you into blue and infect. At least it's like a blue card yeah. and not just like Brainstorm. Um, Death Shadow, though, I mean, I don't, I don't know how much practice you'd want with it, but you have all the cards. Yeah, I just need I just need to, to finalize my Underground Sea, which, honestly, I could just not play an Underground Sea and play like two two Swamps and try and try and be the hero that wins this thing without a dual land in my deck. Uh, Island of Swamp for sure. Yeah. Yes. Um, cool. Yeah, I don't know. I uh, I had to cancel my trip to Syracuse due to a very unforeseen family thing. So Press I unfortunately will not be. Yeah, right. I mean, like, shocking family thing. Not that anyone cares or that's really that bad, but just a bad thing. Um, and I'm sad, but, you know, maybe I'll actually go to. The funny thing is, like, now maybe I'll actually go to Niagara because uh, I might want to see my family in Rochester anyway at that time of year so um maybe i will be able to sneak over there to play the grand prix as well but we'll see yeah let me tell you something brother you're here listening to this eternal dirtles podcast but what you need to do is go over to eternal dirtles patreon www.patreon.com slash eternal dirtles and show your support, brother. Yeah. Um. So I ordered a bunch of old school cards this week. Oh yeah. What'd you get? Yeah. I got Aisling Leprechauns. Have you heard about this deck? Oh God, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Aisling Leprechauns uh, is a creature from Legends, right? Yeah. Here's how it works. It's a green one green mana for a one one. All creatures that block or are blocked by Leprechaun become green creatures. Oh God. So it's called Leprechaun Ward, so you play that, then you put a green ward on it. And since the block happens before damage, you basically just get Invincible Leprechaun. And then if they try to swords it, you life lace the swords. But yes, I ordered a bunch of them. I'm looking forward to it. I finally found an old school deck that made me say, like, you know what? This is worth... Not that I didn't like old school. I want to be clear on that. I just didn't think that um, it was something that I could really get into. But Azing Leprechauns are 45 cents. (laughs) <laughs> They've only had the one printing because they're not reserved. So how do you kill your opponent? Just beat them down. You attack with, one with your one one. Then you put like enchantments on it. Oh like yeah. Divine transformation. You got Or you play. Yeah. You gotta you gotta play with uh what's it called two in this deck then uh, you gotta play with um, uh rabid wombat. Yes, like rabid wombat is in the deck. Yeah. Oh yeah. perfect. Yeah. I, I, I gotta I, pick up I've got legend. this. I've got this. <laughs> Good job. You know what else is in this deck is Verdure and Enchantress. Of course. So you can can draw cards off all your green wards and COP greens. So anyway, I did that. I'm excited to play some old school. I just didn't think that old school was going to have like a super accessible deck, and suddenly it did. So, well, I mean, I don't know if this deck's any good, but I found it on one of the old school sites. 
and immediately I mean, fell in love. It looks fun. I played in, in, in Legacy. Um, what else? Magic related news. Uh, oh, I'm playing Burn in a tournament on Saturday because I have to bring my kids. <laughs> so we're having a 1K at Paragon, and I am going to go, but I got to bring both my kids because my wife's out of town. So I decided to play Burn with uh, Light Up the Stage and Skewer the Critics. And so far, so bad. I tried it in the league, and I went one and four. Oh. But we'll see. I always, I always lose to Burn when I'm at Paragon, so maybe it'll be good. I will say this, that Light Up the Stage does make me more interested in playing Burn for some reason. Just like a card that does something besides Bolt You makes the deck a little bit more fun to look at. Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, it, it's so close to being... Uh... Treasure Cruise, and and uh, you know we were talking with uh, Eric Higby, Burn aficionado, and he was like, "Look, even if you draw two cards you don't want to see, like two mountains, you don't have to have those cards. They're not in your deck anymore, you know." Yeah, it's like you I didn't did, have to deal with those two mountains. I did the flip a flip a fire blast off of it, sacrifice my tapped lands, win. That nice. was kind of fun. Um, so yeah, that was cool. And uh, I forgot to tell the story that my wife insists I tell on the podcast. So, play Magic Online more recently than I have, you know, more recently, or I'm sorry, more recently than I have in the past. Mm -hmm. And I tend to play it during our, like, later evening wind-down time or early evening wind-down time. This is, like, when the kids go to sleep and I walk the dog, or the kids go to bed, I walk the dog, you know, we're not quite ready to just, like, turn on the TV, Amy's getting ready for bed. And, uh, you know, just kind of like noodling around on our phone for a while. It's a long afternoon of, of watching kids and making dinners and making tomorrow's lunch and everything. So I'm sitting on the bed with her often and she's on her phone and I'm on the computer. And she said, why do you keep asking Thoughtseize? So she thought that Thoughtseize was like, what are your Thoughtseize on this play? <laughs> like Takesies, Backsies? Like, like, yeah, like Takesies, Backsies. <laughs> And it took me a second to realize what she was saying because I just envisioned the word Thoughtseize in my head. And she said, well, I just keep thinking you're saying Thoughtseize. Like, what are your Thoughtseize? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so now every time I play a Thoughtseize, I, I, I can't stop thinking of it. But it's one of those things where it's like, because I talk to myself when I'm playing Magic Online, and, and it always comes out the same way. Thoughtseize, you know, when you get Thoughtseized, and, you and you're, in your head, you say Thoughtseize, but you say it out loud, that's what it sounds like. Yeah. Thought sees you? So, thought sees. <laughs> you say it as thought a question. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, that is a story that I've been meaning to tell for a couple weeks and forgot. But So, yeah, uh, we'll have a, I'll have a full report on Burn next week. Burn I, can, I can counter with a similarly hilarious story about my wife. Okay. Um, so, there is a, a D&D character named uh, Driss Duarden. A lot of you probably know who that is. He's a dark elf. His name is spelled uh, D-R-I-Z-Z-T, Drizzt, or Drizzt, um, yeah. as some people uh, ha incorrectly pronounce it. So I bought this game when I started playing Magic again that was called The Legend of Drizzt. It was uh, like a D&D style board game. Yeah. And I guess this is a little after uh, Ravnica came out, and my wife uh, asked me uh, if I wanted to play the Dr. Izzet game that I bought. <laughs> that's awesome it was pretty great d-r-i-z-z-t yeah yeah it was pretty great i was like uh he's more of a selesnia golgari kind of guy but yeah i can see how doctor, doctor is it is a thing 
That's funny. <laughs> you know, my, 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 my aunt follows me on Twitter. She's like, when you start talking, I have no idea what you're I, I recognize the words, but I don't know what they mean in that sequence. <laughs> my, current, my current most recent tweet is that my proposed mulligan rule is that only players over age 30 can mulligan. <laughs> and uh, so it'll be funny to see what she sees, what she thinks about that one. I would, but, I would be into that rule. Yeah, could you imagine? I start playing I standard that, again. Oh, <laughs> you should totally only be allowed to mulligan if you're over thirty. <laughs> All right, is that it for us this week? Yeah, I think that's it for us this week. Uh, have a good one. Next everybody. one will be this... after. Yeah, the be next after... one will probably air after uh, after Syracuse. So uh, it'll probably be recorded before Syracuse. Um, and air afterwards, so I guess this is your one chance to wish me luck. Uh, uh, and Phil will be there too. Uh, what else? Uh, everybody, uh, everybody who joined us on Patreon this week, thank you so much. Uh, I've got some t-shirts to get out there. Um, and I think that's it. I did get, yeah, I did get the notification that Rob Jorgensen's is shipped, so. Awesome. If you listen to this far of the podcast, Rob, it's on the way. Great. All right. All right. Have a good one, everybody. Have a good week, everyone. Wonderful toys. Eternal Dirtles is supported by Audible.com. If you'd like a free audiobook and start up a trial with Audible, you can go to audibletrial.com slash eternal dirtles, and they'll hook you up with a free book, and you'll be supporting the show. Thanks so much.